In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You may be seated. Wisdom. The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. The closest thing we have in scripture to, you know, someone rubbing a magic lamp and a genie popping out and giving them three wishes. But God shows up in this dream and and writes Solomon a sort of blank check. I'm going to give you something, Solomon. What do you want it to be? And of all the things that he could have asked for, things which he needed, by the way, if he was going to keep uh, the kingdom which he had inherited intact, Long life, riches, the defeat of his enemies. But he asked instead for wisdom. For Solomon knew, as he would later write in Proverbs, that wisdom is better than silver or gold, that it's more precious than rubies. Now, what is wisdom? To give a preliminary definition, so this is just a starting point. This is not a comprehensive definition of wisdom. It's not a necessarily biblical or theological definition yet. But wisdom has been defined as the quality of discerning what is true, what is ethically right, and what should be done in different situations. Now, just even before we get into what it means scripturally and all the nuances there, just stop and think for a second how valuable that is. To know what's true, to know what's real, to know what's right and to know what's wrong, and then to know what to do in light of what is true and real and right. And it's the knowing what to do. See, it's the, you cannot separate doing and acting and walking from wisdom. Wisdom is transformational and practical. It's not merely theoretical. I mean, the very perhaps you've heard this definition of wisdom. It's knowledge applied. Not the application thereof. There is no wisdom. The word philosophy, it means the love of wisdom, of Sophia. And in the classical tradition, Philosophy's come a long way since then, since Socrates and Plato and Aristotle. It wasn't knowledge for knowledge's sake. It was a pursuit of wisdom with the goal of transformation, of living in harmony, not not just coming to know what's true and what's real, but to live in harmony with it, to pursue the true and the good and the beautiful. Wisdom, biblically and theologically speaking, is not knowledge about God. It's not just knowing facts about him. The demons believe that there's one God and they tremble. That's what James says. The demons know that every syllable of the Nicene Creed is true. The demons do not have wisdom. It's not just knowledge about God. 
but it's an intuitive and relational knowledge of God. Intuitive and it's relational knowledge of God, who is the source of wisdom, whose son, of whom Solomon is a type, is wisdom. St. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians that Christ is the, quote, wisdom of God. Thus, being in relationship with the one who is truth, who is wisdom, when that happens, we are enlightened. Thus, the psalmist writes, Psalm 36, 9, in your life, we see light. Thus, we are able to discern what is right and what is true and what we ought to do more and more as we grow in relationship with Almighty God. So I don't think it's a stretch to say that Solomon's request for wisdom, at least allegorically speaking in this text, is really a request for God, for knowledge of him who again is the source of all wisdom. That's so important. A lot of times you'll hear people say, uh, I'm older and wiser. And a lot of times it is, they're more experienced and they're people that have gained wisdom, but correlation doesn't equal causality. In other words, if someone is older and wiser, they're not wiser just because they're older. The point is that the mere passing of time does not bestow upon one wisdom. Oftentimes, they will be wiser if they've used their life well and they've actually pursued wisdom. But wisdom does not come from age. Wisdom comes from God. Solomon is very, very young when he becomes the wisest man who ever lived, save our Lord, of course. Solomon was in a precarious situation. If you read through the first part of uh, the book of Kings, First Kings. Uh, the transfer of power from David to Solomon was not a smooth one. The United Kingdom of Israel was, was delicate and, and fragile. Uh, there were foreign powers that he had to be concerned with and contend with. He's young. He's an experience. He, he desperately needed, and he knew this, he needed knowledge of God and the fruit of that union with him, which is understanding and discernment. And again, what could be more valuable? Especially when you understand, as Solomon did, that, that long life, this is how uh, Solomon's wisdom works in Proverbs, that long life and prosperity and a stable kingdom are the fruits of wisdom rather than the root of wisdom. Solomon needed wisdom, and so do we. We as individuals, we need wisdom. As families, as a church family, as, as a people, a society, a country, we need wisdom. Think about it for a second. What could be more valuable 
in an age of disinformation than knowing the truth. What could be more valuable in, in an age of utter moral confusion than knowing what's right and what's wrong? What could be more valuable than in a, the time that we're in? Think about it. In societal and, and economic upheaval, knowing what you ought to do. We need wisdom. But how do we get it? How do we get wisdom? One, we get wisdom by fearing the Lord. Two, by having a discerning or listening heart. And three, by asking for it, like Solomon did. As our psalm said, it says it elsewhere, uh, also in Proverbs 9.10, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So the pursuit of wisdom, and I would just broaden this out to the entire Christian life, the pursuit of God, it begins with the fear of the Lord. That is, recognizing God as such. Recognizing God as God. That He is holy. That he is the creator, that he is all powerful, that he is all loving, that he is all knowing, that he is again the source of wisdom. And in light of who he is, and who we're not in light of who he is, that he's the creator and that we are the creatures, to humble ourselves and to surrender our will to his will and to his ways. You can't teach anyone anything. You can't teach something to someone who thinks they already know everything. I'm sure you've dealt with this in your families and in your work. Maybe someone joined your team at work, fresh out of school, they got a four-pointer, they think they know everything. Again, is this fear of the Lord. This fear of the Lord. God, you're God, and I'm not. And in you, is, is the source of all wisdom is not me. It's not on account of my IQ. It's not on account of my experience. It's not on account of my wealth. You are the source of all wisdom. If I want wisdom, God, I have to get it through you because you are the source of all wisdom, and your son, Jesus Christ, is. Secondly, we, we have to attune our hearts to his, the heart of God. Solomon asked the Lord, he said, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart. The language is actually a hearing heart, a listening heart. So what follows from the fear of the Lord quite naturally is, this, is a surrender, is an opening of one's heart. A listening to God. We, we get wisdom when in the fear of the Lord and in honor of him, we submit our way of thinking to his way of thinking. I'm going to sound like an old Baptist this morning, 
But this is true. The primary way that the church does, how do we submit our way of thinking to God's way of thinking? The primary way that the church does this is through reading and meditating upon the Holy Scriptures. And of course, obeying them, not just being a hearer of the word, but a doer. So often, and I see this happen all the time, so often, even Christians err in their perceptions of truth, their understanding of right and wrong, and in their judgments of what to do simply because they do not know the scriptures. Or worse, they do know the scriptures, but on account of not having a listening heart, but a hardened heart, they set aside the commandments of God. They set aside the law of liberty, the law of Christ, the law which is unto life, and they surround themselves with teachers who will tickle their ears. That is, who will tell them what they want to hear. I think St. Jerome said that ignorance of, ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of Christ. If we love God, and we want to know God, it follows that we should want to know what he has said. If we want a discerning mind and a listening heart, we must be saturated with and obedient to the Holy Scriptures. Sometimes we get into this thing of and I understand it. I do it as well. We all need to do it. We're trying to discern the will of God for our lives. That's usually, you know, God, what, what do you want me? Who do you want me to marry? Or who do you want me to? Well, that, that's already solved for me. Um, who do you want me to marry? Or what, what job do you want me to take? Or what do you want me to do in this situation? And most of the time, and, I, and maybe I've had this conversation with maybe several of you who are trying to discern this thing. And I probably made the joke that, what we want is when we need to make a decision, we would like, and I would like this, for Gabriel or Michael to bust through the, bread, you know, the bedroom window and tell me exactly what to do. But oftentimes, it's the application of wisdom that in relationship with God and having our hearts enlightened and knowing what's true and knowing what's right we make the best decision that we can, a decision which will be consonant with the very nature of God, who he is, and what he's commanded us to do and not do in his holy word. Finally, if we want wisdom, we need but ask for it. God wants to give us wisdom. And he's promised that he will. James 1, he says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now, now the context of James 1 is he's writing to the dispersion. 
Christians that are scattered across the known world, many of whom are undergoing trial and tribulation. So in the midst of of suffering, he's exhorting them to ask for wisdom. Well, we're not being persecuted for our faith. But most of life, I think, is challenge and struggle. There are more challenging days than easy days. So my point is that we can't read James 1.5 and say, well, that doesn't apply to me. I'm not asking for wisdom in the midst of difficulty. Life is difficult. It's good, and it can be wonderful, but it's, it's hard. And I say that as someone who's, objectively speaking, had a pretty easy life. What does that mean? God's, God's saying, I'm not stingy with wisdom. Ask for it, and I'll give it to you. You have to ask in faith. And I, I used to read that and say, oh, man, does that mean I have to, like, pray and not have, like, any sort of intellectual or emotional doubt that God's going to come through? And if I, if I, like, a faith healing sort of thing of, like, if you had just believed more, so-and-so would have been healed of cancer, you would have won the Powerball. Is that what God's saying? Because I can't control, you know, what comes into my head. I, I can't control how I feel all the time. I can't just, like... Okay, now I feel faith. That's not what James is talking about. If we ask, it doesn't mean that there's no presence of fear, that there's no presence of intellectual or emotional doubt. To waver is to have a divided will. It is, it is to seek the Lord's wisdom, while at the same time, in your heart and with your actions, you're hedging your bets. It's, it's being of a divided, again, a divided mind, a divided will. It's wavering in our pursuit of God. Because remember, wisdom is the way that we walk. And are we walking according to the wisdom that we already have? Are we walking according to the wisdom that we already have? To get back to the, real quick, just to the will of God today. We have in, in Holy Scripture, in the, in the teaching of the church. We, we know the will of God, his revealed will. A- am I following that which I know God wants me to do? To do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with my God. His will for us is that we would be sanctified and that we would follow him and that we would know him. Am I walking in wisdom according to what is clear. I might try to bypass that and shortcut that so, so that God can really become sort of my genie that tells me what to do now so I can do my own thing. There's questions to ask us. So wisdom, to close, wisdom is, is knowing God. Not just knowing about him, but knowing him. Knowing him. And the enlightenment, that our souls are enlightened, and in his light we can see light. 
that in light of who God is and our relationship with him and flowing from our union with him, we're able to clearly discern and have, we're able to have wisdom to discern what is real and true and right and proper action in a particular circumstance. So brothers and sisters, let us pursue wisdom. Let us recognize our need for it. And that it is more to be desired than silver or gold. And brothers and sisters, let us obtain wisdom by fearing the Lord, by cultivating a listening heart, and by asking for it. Asking for it from the Lord who has promised to give it to us.